Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Tonight we're talking about our thoughts, and we're going to think about our thinking tonight. So tell your neighbor, it's time to think about your thinking tonight. <laughs> Thought apocalypse. Quite simply tonight, this thought is that if we change our thinking, we can change our life. Now, this is not out of some self-help book, but it is based on what God says to us about how we should think about our lives. You know, if we change our thoughts, I truly do believe that we can actually change our life. We can change the experience of our life. We can change how we feel when we face different things in our lives. Like exams, I know you've just started and had orientation, some of the students, but you already know what you're gonna face. But the truth is that you can be filled with nervousness even now and anxiety, or you can choose to have confidence and faith that you are going to be passing those exams with no worries, okay? And it's actually gonna affect the way we feel, how we think about the things that lie ahead. You know, Jesus said that the greatest commandment was this when he was here on earth. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. But another translation describes it like this. Love the Lord your God with every thought that is within you. For mind, it says, with every thought that is within you. Do you know that we can actually love God with our thoughts? Proverbs says this, as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, so is he, or so is she. As we're thinking in our hearts, it's gonna determine a lot about who we are and the life that we're living. What we're thinking about, what we're pondering, what we're meditating on, what we are chewing over in our minds is going to affect our daily lives. What we think about will impact our life. So, you might be asking tonight, what, Gillian, is a thought apocalypse? <laughs> what is this word? Yes, we made it up. I believe we made it up. <laughs> a neologism for all those English students out there. A thought apocalypse. Well, it means this. An apocalypse is when it's the end of the world. Have you ever seen those movies, Judgment Day, and the world is exploding, everything's coming to an end? Well, that's apocalypse. You know, as Christians, we believe the apocalypse comes when Jesus comes back. We don't believe the world's just gonna turn and burn in one moment of nothingness. Uh, we actually believe in a great eternal plan. But an apocalypse is like when everything's coming to an end. So a thought apocalypse is when in our minds and our thinking, we don't see a future, we see the end. We think everything is doom and gloom. We see negatives, we see despair, we see doubts. Basically, we are spiraling down in our thinking, far away from positivity and straight into negativity. You see, we have a futility when, in our minds when we're having a thought apocalypse. What's futility? Futility is this, it's a lack of hope. It's an emptiness in our future. It's a passiveness towards change. It's pointless thinking. It's fruitless thinking. It's vain and idle thinking. And this futile kind of thinking that comes from a thought apocalypse, the dictionary says it's incapable of producing any good result. 
See, if we're having a thought apocalypse, we're not going to be leading our lives in a good direction. In fact, we're going to find that we don't have a good result at all. Just this week, and even right now, I am fighting an impending thought apocalypse. I'm telling you, I have been fighting this fight all week because on Tuesday morning at 6 a.m., myself and the beautiful Kelly, give her on a wave, Kelly. This is Kelly Teal. She runs our online campus. She's amazing. Part of the rise from the beginning, incredible woman of God. So Kelly and I are flying and winging our way, in Jesus' name, to South Africa on Tuesday. There is one slight problem. They have changed all of the things that you need to go to South Africa and made it that you have to get this visa, and they have made it impossibly hard to get this visa. So uh, Kelly and I went to the embassy in Wellington. We filled out about a million things of paperwork, like literally, I think, as much as I have in my filing cabinet at home. We were carting it into the embassy. Then we have to wait. We also have to give them our actual physical passports. They take your actual passport, and you can't travel to South Africa until you have your passport back, nor can you travel without a visa. Now, just think, Kelly and I are going on Tuesday. Two weeks ago, we went to the embassy, and last week, I was getting a little anxious that there has been no sign of the visa or the passport. Now, I'm sad to say that today, there is still no sign of visa or passport. So tomorrow, I am going to be continuing to fight an impending thought apocalypse uh, because the truth is that I could have all week circled around the thought of fear, worry, anxiety, because if this doesn't come through, I can't go. And I've got flights. I've got expectations. People are waiting for me in South Africa. But if it doesn't come through, I'm totally stuffed. Now, should I be worrying? Should I be anxious? Yes, you say. Yes, there's something wrong with you, you say, that you're not worried. You're probably right. But I knew I was preaching this message. So I thought, the Lord is testing me. So all week, when anxious thoughts started to come, when fears started to come, when worry came, I was like, no, I will trust the Lord. And I decided to fight off my thought apocalypse with thoughts like, if it's the Lord's will that I go to South Africa, it's going to come through. If God wants me there, then He will make a way for me to get there. And so I took hold of my thought apocalypse and I began to trust that God will bring it to pass. And I'm telling you tonight, I'm still trusting. And tomorrow at 8.30 a.m., I am ringing the embassy. All right? And I've just told Kelly that we might have to get in our cars, forget the kids, they can get their own way to school. And we will get to the embassy and demand our visas and our passports back in Jesus' name. <laughs> but you know, the truth is, I'm sure that we can face a real challenge. You know, it's a real challenge that some of us are facing and we can be thinking these thoughts and hey, they're justified. Anxiety and worry. We wanna do well in our exams. We wanna do well in our job. We can face anxiety about real issues, but the reality is that we're not meant to stay in anxiety and worry. These things will cause us to feel negative, to feel despair. God has a much better life for us, that even when we face a challenge or when we're struggling with anxiety, we can find a peace that comes from Him. So tonight I wanna say we must think about what we are thinking about. We must think 
about what we are thinking about. All of us can have thoughts that lead us in the wrong direction. All of us can have thoughts that lead us to worry and have a lack of peace. But actually, we have a God who gives us his peace. And we have a God who says this in Romans 8, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So we can make a choice in our thoughts as to what is actually gonna govern the way we're thinking. Will we allow God to govern our thoughts and give us peace? Or will we let ourselves, our flesh, our humanity, tell us how we should think about the problems? Look, it's like this. Just because we think something doesn't mean that it's true. Now, I have a lot of dreams, and I don't even need to eat pizza to have these kind of dreams. I have a lot of dreams. Now, I'll often wake up from the dream, and I will be feeling that dream. So the other day, I woke up. I had been fighting with John. I had been yelling at him, because we don't normally yell, actually. We've got over that part of our relationship, and it's really good now. <laughs> We've learned how to mirror our words back to each other. Anyway, I'll move on. This is not the marriage session. This is the thought session. But in my dream, not in real life, in my dream, I was mad at John and I was arguing with him and I was telling him he was being pig-headed and he was telling me, you're being pig-headed. And we were going at it. And then I woke up and I was so mad. I was fuming. And I looked over at him. He was sleeping like a baby, like an angel. Not a crease on his forehead. I wanted to shake him and wake him and tell him, how could you think that? How could you do that? I was still wrapped up in it. But see, just because I was thinking it didn't mean that it was true. And it does take me a while to wake up. So I let him sleep and I calmed down and had a coffee and I had to tell myself, it's just a dream. It was just a dream. You know, I've had another dream, and this one was really bad, and I dreamt that John had died, and he liked this dream in the sense that I was very affectionate when he did wake up. In fact, I made him wake up, and I was grabbing him and cuddling him, saying, don't die on me, I love you, and he thought that was great, you know? That was a good dream. But like having a dream, just because we think it doesn't mean that it's true. You know, there's a saying that says, don't believe everything you hear. But I think there should be a saying that says, don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything that we think. We need to think about our thinking. We have to fight to keep our thoughts right. We have to fight to keep them right. It's not easy because our flesh, our humanity, our natural direction is to tend towards the negative, to tend towards doubt, to tend towards thinking the worst. Unfortunately, it's a little bit of a human nature thing. And hey, the news on TV doesn't help us, stuff doesn't help us, all CNN, it doesn't help us. Everything's bad, the world is ending, you know what I'm saying? Anywhere we look. So we actually have to think and fight about to keeping our thoughts right. 2 Corinthians 10 says this, we take captive every thought. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. See, our thoughts, we have to take them captive because they're like naughty children. 
They're actually running off on you. Do your thoughts ever run off on you? Do you ever find you've gone and had this whole thought, train of thought, it's literally taken off and left the station and you've ridden that train for a long time? Well, my friends, it's time to lasso that train, pull it off the tracks, put it back in the station and begin to realize that God actually wants to set the course of our thoughts. He wants to determine the track that our thoughts are going on. Now, the thing is that tonight, what we do need to be aware of, and the Bible speaks of this very clearly, is that we all have an enemy of our soul. We have an accuser. We have an accuser, and he is called the devil, or Lucifer. And the Bible says that he, his title, <laughs> is the father of lies. See, what the devil has is not a lot of power over us, but he has a voice. He has a big mouth. And what he does is he likes to talk to us and put thoughts in our minds. The devil wants for us to have actively sown into our minds unbelief about what God could do, to doubt our future, to think negatively about what lies ahead. See, in this room, we don't need to think negative thoughts about our future because the Bible says that God has a purpose and a plan for us that is far beyond what we could think, ask for, hope, or imagine. So why would we think negatively about our future? My friend, that is a lie. Our future is full of God's grace and goodness, and He is planning wonderful things ahead for us. But the devil wants us to become idle, to sit around, let fear stop us from doing anything. He wants us to be negative and depressed, doubting, unbelieving, fearful, because he knows that if he can defeat us in our thoughts, he can rob us of power in our Christianity and in our lives. You see, what does the devil do? The devil doesn't know our future, he only knows our past. So he wants to limit us, to hold us back, and stop us from walking into the future, because he's actually afraid, my friends, of your future. He's afraid of what you could do serving God in your life. He's afraid that if you caught sight of what God had, that you could turn the world upside down. He's afraid, so he wants to keep bringing up the past mistakes, the past failures, to limit you and lock you in your mind, to hold us back, cause us to sit back and step back, rather than step up and step forward and stand firm in what God has for us. So the devil is there as the as the father of lies, as the accuser. And as his weapon, he has what's called a dart. The Bible says that he has fiery darts that he literally is throwing at us. He's got darts, and my gosh, those thoughts come unbidden into our minds at times. See, darts are lies, accusations, past mistakes, and failings. These thoughts create doubts, distractions, insecurities within us, and they highlight our weaknesses. You know, we can have past mistakes that, you know, we, we've have in the past, they're gone, but they just keep coming up like a movie reel. In the most unexpected situations, we suddenly have this past mistake repeating in our mind. What is that? Like, you didn't want to think about that. I didn't want to think about that. So why are we thinking about it? My friends, it's a fiery dart to make us feel bad about ourselves, to limit us, to make us feel insecure, to make us feel like we are not good enough because the devil wants to throw up where we did go wrong and hold us back. You know, we can feel these things that come against us and it makes it hard to connect to God and it can make us lose our courage. These fiery darts can come to us all. I know that 
I've faced many a fiery dart, many a thought, and this is what some of them have been like. I'm sure for all of us, we would have thoughts that would come at times. Thoughts can come to us like this. I'm all alone. I'm a failure. I can't do it. They don't really like me. I'm not good enough. They're better than you. I'm just always too tired to pray. And anyway, my prayers aren't heard. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so stressed out. I really want to give up. I don't know why I'm doing this anyway. Nothing will ever change. Why do we have these thoughts? Because they are fiery darts, my friend. And we must put them out. We must take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take it captive, put it out, make it obedient to Christ, my friend. We will not be limited in our thinking. We have to think right, think right. So how are we gonna put these out? What could we say instead? What would God have us think? What are we gonna take these thoughts captive with? We're gonna take these thoughts captive by saying instead, God will never leave me. God loves me. God has called me. God has a plan for my life. I'm an overcomer. Because of Jesus, I am free. I'm special in God's sight. I won't compare myself with others. I will keep my faith. I will pray at all times. My prayers ascend to hev heaven like incense. I burn with all of Christ's energy that is at work within my mortal body giving life to it. I will fulfill God's purpose concerning me. His purpose will come to pass and no weapon formed against me will prosper. These are the thoughts that we can think. Let's not let those fiery darts cause a fire to burn, but let the fire of God show true what He is thinking about us. So we have to fight to keep our thinking right, but God has given us one amazing weapon, and I know that through this series, people are gonna unpack more about how we can think right and what God is wanting us to do with our thoughts. But tonight I wanna give us one key about how we avoid a thoughtpocalypse. Poor Timmy. He's having a thoughtpocalypse. Is anyone here having a thoughtpocalypse? My friends, I have got God's greatest key for us to avoid an impending thoughtpocalypse. You see, the thing to remember is, did anyone see that on the video? I was like, I wanna know, I wanna know, what's, what's the thing to remember? Anyone see the hanger on the ending of the video? What's the thing to remember? Okay, here it is, from me anyway. One key weapon given to guard us from futile thinking and the devil's lies is hope. Hope guards our thinking. Hope guards our thinking. I wanna read out two verses of the Bible tonight that are gonna explain this really clearly. First Thessalonians 5 says this, since we belong to the day, that's salvation, that's the people of God, that's the people of the kingdom of heaven, the day speaks of God's kingdom, the night of his loss. 
okay? Since we belong to the day, my friends, every person in this room, we are called to belong to the day. That's belonging to the day star, Jesus Christ. That's where we belong. Since we belong to the day, we must stay alert and clear-headed by placing the breastplate of faith and love over our hearts and a helmet of the hope of salvation over our thoughts, over our thoughts. Ephesians 6 says this, put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. Oh, see, what happens when we're having a thoughtpocalypse? I don't know about you, but you can end up like this. You can end up with your head buried in your hands. You can end up stressed, your head's downcast. But the truth is that in our thoughts, we're not to be weighed down with anxiety and despair, but instead have a helmet of hope. This hope is not in us. This hope is in Jesus Christ. This hope is in what Jesus has done for us, in freeing us, in rescuing us, in delivering us, in causing us to walk in His strength, in causing us to walk into His purposes. And when we wear that helmet of hope, we see that our thinking is guarded. Our thinking is guarded from the devil's schemes. Hope is protection from the devil's schemes. Now his schemes look like this, time wasters, futile and fruitless thoughts, energy sappers. He wants to make our hearts heavy. What are you, you know, when you're thinking in a negative cycle, how do you feel in your heart? You start thinking about bad things and pondering bad things. I mean, have you ever, thought about someone dying and then thought about their funeral and you've ended up on the cycle of planning somebody's funeral and they're right there in front of you? Or is it just me? It's because like I'm so upset that they might die that I'm like imagining what it would be like and then I'm, I'm see, and then you end up in this emotional state. But hope is to guard our thinking so we don't end up spiraling down into an energy sapper. What about a relationship killer? This is another strategy of the devil, that we would be suspicious of people, that we wouldn't trust people, that we'd be critical and negative, complaining, destiny destroyers, unbelief, doubt, fear, filling our thoughts. All of these things come to stop us from walking into what God has, full of energy, full of life, full of faith, confident, trusting in people and trusting in God. And hope is the power of salvation that guards our thinking. We hope in Jesus, and because we have Jesus, we can keep moving forward with positivity. See, hope causes us to stand firm and stay positive. Hebrews 6.19 says this, we have this hope in Jesus as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. See, our soul speaks to our mind, will, and emotions, how we feel. See, these thoughtpocalypses, these negative thoughts, they make us feel really bad. To be honest, they can make us short-tempered. They can make us not very pleasant to live with. They can make us highly strung. But God doesn't want us to live like that because we have this hope in Jesus as an anchor. See, an anchor 
What does it do on a boat? It holds it firm. It means it won't drift away, and it means it'll stay in place. And that's what hope does in our thought life. It keeps us from drifting in the wrong directions. It keeps us trusting in Jesus. It keeps us digging into heaven's possibilities. It keeps trusting in what Jesus has already done. It makes us believe that what God promises us, He can do. No matter what circumstance we're facing, we can have hope. We can have hope. Hope keeps us believing that God will come through. You know, there was a man in the Bible by the name of Abraham, and he was a really old man, and God had said to him, you're gonna have a son, and years passed, and years passed, and years passed, and he's like, no, no son, getting pretty old now, and so is my wife. <laughs> yep, she's not 33, Lord, <laughs> and nor am I. <laughs> she's not 33. <laughs> we actually said, should we have another baby the other day? We're like, yeah, no, too old now. So just so you know, <laughs> We do have one, it'll be a total accident. There you go. <laughs> be a blessing, be a blessing. Okay, I don't know why I went there, that's bad. Pull up, pull up. Okay, sorry everybody, too much information. <laughs> I'm having a thoughtpocalypse. Poor Jillian, she's having a thoughtpocalypse. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, Abraham, that's right, Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Oh, you see, had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right hand, left foot. I don't know the rest, but anyway, we'll move on. I never taught Sunday school, I just attended it. Oh, there we go. Okay, Father Abraham. <laughs> so we just sung the song that he had many sons, but we're talking about the fact that he had no sons, and he's like 99, or his wife's 99, and no children. But the Bible says that against all hope, Hey, he's got no chance. <laughs> Against all hope that Abraham in hope believed. So he didn't let worry and anxiety and despair and futility determine his thoughts. He let hope and belief in God, trust in God, be the thing that caused him to receive God's promise. My friends, it's the same for us. We can't let futility dictate what we're gonna receive from God. We can't let the negative thoughts that spiral us down stop us from seeing that God is the God of all possibilities. He is the God of heaven and earth. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. So we must hope against all hope. We must believe that He is able. Look, it doesn't mean that we don't take responsibility. I'm gonna be at the embassy tomorrow. It doesn't mean that we just neglect our responsibility, but what it does mean is that if we go to work, then He will go to work for us as well, and we can trust that He will come through on our behalf. See, hope will enable us to receive God's promises. Hope will lead us to receive His promises. Look, I don't know about you, but in this room, I'm talking about hope, and we're excited, and it's wonderful, but we can be afraid to hope. We can actually feel like, well, I hoped, and it never happened. I hoped and I was disappointed. I hoped and it didn't come to pass and we can feel like, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I can't let myself get excited only to get myself disappointed. Now the truth is that in life we can't tell God what to do. We can't dictate what's happening in the course of our lives. But we can choose to have peace no matter what is going on. We can choose to have live without thoughts of fear and difficulty because we choose to trust that He is a good God. See, do we believe that God is a God of love? Do we believe that He is a God of blessing? Do we believe that He 
wants good things for us because he calls us his children. He is a father who loves us, who longs, the Bible says in Isaiah, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. Blessed are all who wait for him. See, the truth is that we just actually have to choose to, to hope because God does not want to disappoint us. He wants to come through for us. He wants to come through for us. And so no matter what we face, we keep on hoping. We hold to hope over fear. We hold to hope rather than futility in our thoughts. See, we've got to stay open. We've got to stay expectant. We've got to keep believing. We've got to keep looking that God could do what we didn't think he could. Abraham received his promise because he hoped, he believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. See, hope trusts God will work all things out. Hope trusts God will work all things out. If the band could come and join me, it would be amazing. When we hope, we trust God because hope keeps us focused on what God can do. My son, Will, my chess champion down the front, love you, buddy, so proud of you. But when he was three, he got very, very sick. He got really, really sick, and it was a long time that he was sick for, and he was getting worse and worse. You know, viruses, they're like, I oh, just wait it out, and in a couple of weeks, he'll be better. By the third week, he was worse. He wasn't getting better, and I knew this was more than a virus that was just gonna remedy itself. So I took him to the doctors that day, and the doctor said, oh, I think this is really, actually really serious. You need to go straight to the hospital. And the doctor said, I think she, that he's got this. I think he's got this thing called Guillain-Barre. I'm like, I have no idea what that is, but she's like, it's very serious. You need to go straight to hospital. Like, don't go home and pack a bag, go straight there. So what happens in that moment? Fear grips me. My throat, can you feel it? You remember what it's like? It physically tightens. It's like I can't swallow. I can't get any words out, can hardly talk because my throat is just like restricted. Thoughts flood my mind, fearful thoughts, thoughts of worry, thoughts of anxiety. I'm like, this is really bad. He's really sick. He could get paralyzed. We're gonna be in hospital for months. This is going to be absolutely awful. He's gonna need this in his life. All these things, this is a major sickness. And thought after thought began flooding my mind and I was getting more and more stressed out. But then at the same time, a different thought came into my mind and God showed me his promise to me. One night when I was pregnant with Will and I'd been praying in our lounge room, I'd had a picture of him as a teenager. And in this picture, he was walking on a beach with two other guys at either side and he had a gleaming sword in his hand and he was tall and blonde and strong and confident and laughing. And I remembered that picture that God had given me before he was born and I'm like, yep, he's blonde. Yep, he's already tall for his age. Yep, he's got some good friends. God, I believe that this is what you have for his future. There is gonna be no issue with his health. He is gonna walk strong. He is gonna walk tall. He is gonna be confident. He is gonna have spiritual authority. Nothing is gonna stop him. And so I began to pray. I got people in our church began to pray with us as well. And we began to believe and pray that he would be fine. But you know what? There were two train tracks in my mind. I was having a thought apocalypse of fear and worry and panic and doubt. 
And then I began to have a different thought, the thought that gave me peace, the thought that reminded me that hoping in God and trusting in Him, that He would come through, that He is a God of healing, that He is a God of promises, that He is a God who does fulfill His purpose concerning us, that He is a God of love, and that hope became an anchor for my soul, firm and secure. And even though I was still shook up when I went into the hospital, I knew that God was with us and it was gonna be okay. It was gonna be okay. We went in the hospital and Will had the tests and he had the diagnosis and people have been praying and people have been praying. Now, Will, he loved little bikes at that stage. So the hospital had this little wooden bike, one of those little racing bikes with no wheels and you just sprint with your legs down the corridor. So Will, he found this bike and before you know it, he's zooming up and down the hospital corridor on his bike, taking people out. The doctor comes back with the test results. He looks at Will, and looks at the test results. He goes, this can't be right. He shouldn't be able to do that right now. He should be in too much pain to do that right now. It's because the test results had come back affirmative. But what the doctor saw in front of them was somebody who was already getting healed was somebody who was already receiving a breakthrough, was somebody who was already beginning to walk in the miracle of freedom and healing. See, God doesn't want us to dwell in futility. He has a great hope and a great promise for each one of us. And even though the test results might look negative, God is already at work and we're standing in hope and in a brilliant future. My friends, God has great things ahead for you. He has a crown of glory for you. A of hope. Nothing will hold us back. Those fiery darts, we will put them out. We will stand victorious as overcomers knowing that Jesus Christ is the hope of our salvation. Do you believe it? If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor Gillian Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at Gillian Cameron.